Good evening. Um, this evening we have an unusually long passage, so we're going to read it in, in different voices, uh, but also every single one of us in the congregation is going to get involved in this reading. So the reading will come up, um, and everything, there'll be bits of scripture that are in italic, bold italic, and that's when you, the congregation, will come in and we'll read together. Let's read the word of God. Um, we're going to read from Revelations chapter 18. Revelations chapter 18 to 19, uh, verse 10. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice, he shouted, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. She has become a dwelling for demons and a haunt for every impure spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable animal. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. That I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she has given. Pay her back double for what she has done. Pour, pour her a double portion from her own cup. Give her as much torment and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. In her heart she boasts, I sit enthroned as queen, I am not a widow, I will never mourn. Therefore, in one day her plagues will overtake her, death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord God who judges her. When the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her and shared in her luxury see the smoke of her burning, they will weep and mourn over her. Terrified at her torment, they will stand off and cry, Woe, woe to you, great city, you mighty city of Babylon. In one hour, your doom has come. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no, no one buys their cargoes anymore. Cargoes of gold, silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, scarlet cloth, every sort of citron wood, articles of every kind made of ivory, costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cargoes of cinnamon and spice of incense, myrrh and frankincense, of wine and olive oil, of fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages, and human beings sold as slaves. They will say, the fruit you longed for is gone from you. All your luxury and splendor has vanished, never to be recovered. The merchants who sold these things and gained their wealth from her will stand far off, terrified at her torment. They will weep and mourn and cry out, Woe, woe to you, great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. In one hour, such great wealth has been brought to ruin. 
every sea captain and all who travel by ship, the sailors and all who earn their living from the sea will stand far off. When they see the smoke of her burning, they will exclaim, was there ever a city like this great city? They will throw dust on their heads and throw dust on their heads and with weeping and mourning cry out, woe, woe to you, great city, where all the ships on the sea become rich through her wealth. In one hour, she has been brought to ruin. Rejoice over her, you heavens. Rejoice, you people of God. Rejoice, apostles and prophets, for God has judged her with the judgment she imposed on you. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone and threw it into the sea and said, With such violence, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down, never to be found again. The music of harpists and musicians, pipers and trumpeters, will never be heard in you again. No worker of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a millstone will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The voice of bridegroom and bride will never be heard in you again. Your merchants were the world's important people. By your magic spell, all the nations were led astray. In her was found the blood of prophets and of God's holy people, of all who have been slaughtered on the earth. After this, I heard, this, I heard what sounded like a roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Salvation, Salvation, glory, and power belong to our God, for true and just are his adjustments. He has condemned the great prostitutes who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who was seated on the throne, and they cried, Amen, hallelujah. Then a voice from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud powers of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord the God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Then the angel said to me, Write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. At this, I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears the testimony to Jesus. That's the word of God. 
Let us pray. Lord, we do thank you for today. We thank you we're here. We pray that you'll open our eyes, you'll open our hearts, you'll open our ears to hear your word and respond appropriately, Lord. We pray that for this moment in time that all our worries will put them to our side and listen to what you're telling us this evening. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. In my tribe, there is um, a story that has been told for generations and generations. This is a story that every kid through has had and will continue to hear. And this story is, is a very simple story. It's a story about a bean weaver called Nilira. Uh, bean weavers sometimes uh, are called seed beetles. They're, they're very tiny. They sort of go into the beans and live there and, and, and feed on the bean. Anyway, the story goes like this. Ndiulira, this seed beetle, went into the bin as it sort of just budded, because soft, so it went into there and lived there. And someone came and told Ndiulira, you should get out of the bin. And Ndiulira responded by saying, well, I'll get out of this bin when they're harvesting. I still have plenty of time. I'll get out when they're harvesting. Well, harvesting time came. Ndiwiria never got out. Anyway, um, the beans were harvested and were put out to the sun to dry because that's what they do. And someone came and told Ndiwiria, well, could you please come out of the bin? And Ndiwiria said, well, it's fine, I've got time. I'll get out when, you know, I'm putting the saucepan to, you know, to start boiling. That's when I'll get out. And, and of course, the beans dry and the time comes to cook these beans. So the beans are put in the pan, it's put cold water to start boiling, and the same person comes and told Ndiulia, Ndiulia, come on, get out of this bin. And Ndiulia said, yeah, it's fine, the water is still cold, it's still cool. I will get out when the water starts to warm up a little bit, you know, when it starts to... And of course the water warms up a little bit, and the same person comes back and tells, tells Ndiulia, Get out of this bin. He says, well, it's still comfortable. It's still nice. And of course, Ndiwuria never got out of this bin. And you can imagine the consequences of what happened to this seed beetle on Ndiwuria. Now, it is a silly story in some ways, but I think it summarizes what our passage is telling us today. Look at verse 4 if you have your Bibles in front of you. It says... Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. Now, what does this command, come out of her, mean? Well, come out of her rings repeatedly throughout the Bible. In fact, we come across it in Genesis chapter 21, when the Lord comes to Abraham and tells, tells him, go out from your country. Go out. The Lord commands him to go out. Come out of your father's house and relatives and go to the land that I'll show you. Come out, Abraham. Now, if, 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 
don't look up this, but if you look at Acts chapter 7, it gives us some interesting insight about Abraham and what happened there. And, and this is Stephen talking about Abraham. This is why he says, Acts chapter 7, verse 2. He says, brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still living in Mesopotamia. Before he lived in Harim, leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I'll show you. So he left the land of Chaldeans and settled in Haram. You see, God commanded Abraham to go out, to come out, to go to the land that he had showed him. But if you look back, a little bit back in Genesis 11, 31, this is what it says, uh, this is how it reads. It says, Terah took Abraham his son and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abraham, and they went forth together from Ewa of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan, but they came to Haran and they settled there. Now bear with me, this seems like it's not connected, but it's giving us a little bit of background to our passage today, and it's really, really important. You see here from, from this passage that they were to go to Canaan. That's where God had told them to go, to come out and go to the Canaan. But they only went as far as Haran. They never went into Canaan. And so God gives Abraham for the second time this command, go out of your country, come out of your country. In other words, God is telling him, give up everything that you have right now. Give up the security, the land that you have in Haran, which is present day Iran, and trust in God's guidance and provision for the future. Now that's tough, it's not easy. And maybe that's why God had to give the command twice. Now, the second time we come across this command is in Genesis 19, uh, verse 4. And this is why it says, verse 14, and this is why it says, Lord went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry, get out of this place, because the Lord is about to destroy this city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. You can almost hear his sons-in-law sort of, you know, saying, you must be joking. To leave the security and comfort of Sodom is, is ridiculous. It's, it seems ridiculous to them. We cannot leave this place. But remember that in Genesis, Lord himself chose to live in Sodom. Why? Because it seems like a secure place to make a living, to settle down and live there. This is what he said to himself in Genesis 13. And he's talking about Sodom. This is why he says, It appeared to him like the Garden of Eden, and he chose to live there. But later we know that Sodom was going to be judged by God, and the angels come and tell, they, they tell Lord, Get your family, get your wife, get your two daughters, go, leave, come out, or you'll be swept away and be punished. But we know Lord hesitated. But God, because of God's mercy, the angels came, they grabbed Lot's hand, they grabbed his wife's hand and his daughter's hands, 
and they literally dragged him out of the city. And this is what they said. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives, do not look back, do not stop anywhere in, in the plain, flee to the mountains or you'll be swept away. Now, Lot and Abraham had to be given this command twice. Come out. Come out. And they were hesitant. Lot looked back. He had to be forcibly grabbed out of the city. I suppose it's hard as genuine believers to come out. Or when we put our trust and worth and security rooted in this world, it's hard to come out. But what's the point of Revelation chapter 4? Notice what it says. It says, come out of her, my people, so that you'll not shame her sins, so that you'll not receive any of her plagues. I think this is the point. I think it's saying, separate from this world's sin, lest you will be judged. But who exactly now are we to come out of? Look at verse 2 of Revelation chapter 18. It says, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling for demon, a haunt of every impure spirit, and a haunt for every unclean bird. Now we have to remember that Revelation here is not talking about a geographical place of Babylon, or it's not talking about a group of believers that literally have to leave Babylon. We know this because this command, come out my people, is used by Paul. Paul uses this command in the Corinthian, telling the Corinthian church to come out. Listen to what he says. He says, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I'll receive you. I will be, I'll be a father to you and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord. So when we see that, then we realize that Babylon is a symbol for this world, is a symbol for this world system, not a geographical place that they are told to live. And so when we realize that Babylon is a symbol for this world, then we know that this world is, con- is a place where we're continually tempted to compromise and take part in her sins. But what are those sins that we should separate from or come out of that verse 4 talks about? Should we separate physically or spiritually the way Abraham did? Well, I think that would be very difficult to separate physically because we know that the whole world is permeated with ungodliness. The Bible tells us that everyone has fallen short. There is no national land that we can flee to obtain this command like Abraham and Lot and Israel did. Then how do we separate spiritually? And what does it mean to separate? What sins does Revelation talk about? Well, I think this is the idea in Revelation chapter 4, chapter 18, verse 4. It says, we should separate from trusting in the world's security the way unbelievers do. Look at verse 3. It gives us a clue. It says, For all nations have drunk the maddening wines of had adulteries. Or chapter 17, verse 1 to 2, even gives us more of a clue. It says, 
one of the seven angels who had the seven balls came and said to me, come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters. With her, the kings have committed adultery and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. The people and the kings of Babylon, of this world, they're intoxicated with the wine of Babylon, with the wine of this world, of this world system. They're all reveling in the luxury, the comfort, the splendor of Babylon, of this world. But what are the effects of being intoxicated or having too much alcohol? Well, there are plenty, but to mention a few, intoxication removes that desire for temptations for sin. Whether it's sexual or perhaps financial or cheating, people can easily sin when we're not thinking rightly. Secondly, too much intoxication blinds us to potential harm. You've probably all had those horror stories of when people get intoxicated, the things they try and do. I remember I've had a story of one guy who got intoxicated and decided it's a wonderful idea to jump off the fourth floor into the swimming pool. That's what intoxication does to us. And thirdly, intoxication numbs one to the coming judgment. We know that throughout history, when people are going to be executed, they were given some sort of alcohol to sort of numb them for the fear of the coming execution. But it gets worse. Look at the end of verse 23. It says, by your magic spell, by your magic spell, all the nations were led astray. In other words, the intoxication of Babylon has put them under this magic, magic spell, the luxury, the splendor. They're under all this magic, this magic spell. In fact, they have no desire to resist the world's influence. They are blinded. They believe that they're self-sufficient. They've got everything. They don't need anything else. And they're also blinded to the coming judgment. I wonder if you notice how unbelievers are not fearful at all of the coming judgment. To them, the coming judgment is trivial. It's nothing. It's silly. It's nothing to be paid attention to. Babylon has put them under their magic spell. Look at what verse 7 says. In her heart of hearts, in her heart she boasts, I sit enthroned as queen. I am not a widow. I will never mourn. Which reminds me of the Laodicean church earlier in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17. This is what the church was saying. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. This is what the church was saying. We are rich, we're wealthy, we don't need anything. But they are wretched, poor, naked. They just did not know it. They were deceived. They were anathetized. They were under the spell 
of the intoxicating influence of Babylon. And this is how Christ responds to them when they say, we don't need anything. This is how Christ responds. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so you, you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and slav to put on your eyes so you can see. You see, it's only in Christ that we can begin to rightly see and evaluate our own circumstances and surroundings. It's only when we put our confidence in God and glorify him and enjoy him that we begin to rightly, rightly see. If we are not in Christ, we are blinded. We think we are self-sufficient. We think, we think and trust in this world system that will get us there. We are numbed to respond to the command of come out, and we do not respond appropriately. Now remember that Revelation is a letter to the seven churches, and these seven churches represent, represent the church universal. So John here is not writing to unbelievers. He's writing to believers. This is to believers, hence the command, come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins. You see, the real danger here is for us is that as unbelievers, we might think that we know Christ, but still take part in her sins. Listen to what Matthew says. At the end of time, people will come and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform miracles. Then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from, away from me, you evildoers. Now that's shocking. It is shocking. But on one hand, it is to shock those who think they're believers, but they're not. And on the other, is to encourage those who are believers to persevere, to continue to live in this world as witnesses to God, that God is the ultimate security that we have. God is the ultimate comfort that we do have. But there is good news for us. Look at verse 20. He says, rejoice over her. You heavens, rejoice. You people of God, rejoice. Apostles and prophets, for God has judged her with the judgment she imposed on you. Now, this is not some kind of vindictive thing, but it's a vindication of the saints. Remember, the world has already judged believers or saints that they are wrong. Remember, John himself was in prison in Patmos. He was persecuted. The world is saying, you believers, you saints, you're wrong. And so, when God judges, it's a vindication of the saints. And so, as Christians, when we look into this world and see what's going on, it is right that we pray and ask for God's judgment to come. This is a good thing because God's judgment is righteous and true. It's not vindictive. So as we pray, we should continue to pray for God's judgment to come. And so we should separate ourselves from this world confidence and security, lest we will be judged like the world. 
Look at what John says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. For anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride in possession is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. You see, we live in this world, but we are not of this world. Revelation 17 verse 2 calls unbelievers, earth dwellers, they're of this world. But we Christians, we are not of this world. Hebrews says we are pilgrims, where earth is not our final home. We are on a journey. And so when the command comes, come out of her, my people, we should not hesitate or look back because we are not of this world. We are to witness for God. And so when that day comes, that day of judgment, that we can rejoice with the saints and those who put their trust in Jesus Christ. I'd like to finish off by reading the parable of the rich fool. Jesus told a parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded a abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid for many years. Take life easy. Eat and drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared? This, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but no reach towards God. You see, whether we like it or not, judgment is coming. The judgment of Babylon, the great prostitute, is coming, and we can't stop it. But like the bin weevil, the command has been given, come out, come out. Christ, in his mercy, is calling us to come out to put our trust and safety and comfort in him. Well, the question for you this evening, will you be able to come out before it's too late?